1: Well, a year ago when we first started the Irishman Running Abroad series, my first question for Sonia Sullivan was, how can I do this safely? Is it possible to take up running late in life or at any point in life and avoid injury? 12 months down the road, we wanted to revisit that discussion on running safely, especially after I pretty much made every mistake there is to make in terms of taking care of myself over that time, despite Sonia's in later on, we will look at the bigger picture of running safely for women, specifically, including some first-hand accounts from members of our running club on Strava.com. Sonia, you are still in Belgium for the Diamond League conclusion this evening? It's it's tonight, right?
0: The meet is tonight, yeah, um, and it's in Br- at the Brussels. I think it's uh, it's a big stadium. I've run there myself a couple of times uh really nice stadium um i don't i'm not sure how many people are going to be allowed in there tonight but you have to be vaccinated to go and you have to have the uh coveted green wristband to let you in and to be able to move around the place
1: very good and uh so your athletes are taking part are they
0: um so i have just one athlete here tonight constance clusterholfen from Germany uh, Coco as we know her uh, she's going to run 5,000 metres tonight and it's a pretty stacked women's 5,000 metres so um, yeah hopefully if she runs really well and gets a good place then um, we'll get to move on to Zurich next week for the final of the Diamond League
1: oh okay so that's how it works you have to progress tonight to get there
0: well you need to have so many points and they only take 10 to the final um so yeah I mean it's interesting because there's 13 meets all around the world but because the Olympics were in Tokyo and not a lot of people ran early season over here and then a number of athletes are tired so they're going home so you know there's opportunities of opening up for athletes to to get to the final because some people who are qualified are just done for the season they can run no more and then Others who haven't qualified yet are trying to get some points and get in at the last minute.
1: Well, given that our topic is safety, I I did want to ask what you notice as the difference between you when you were competing in these events and people like Goko, who are much more, I guess, In the public eye, it's much easier for them to be photographed or to be out in the world and aware of more risks, I guess. Or do you notice a kind of shift in mentality that way, away from maybe a bit more of fly by the seat of your pants, arrive in a city, wander around the place, checking it all out?
0: Yeah, I mean, there definitely seems to be a bit more reliability on athletes to to take the transport that's provided and go to the stadium, and you know, do their kind of pre-race and running up at the stadium, uh, rather than just heading out the door and looking for the the nearest park. And mm. um, you know, you don't you don't tend to see too many athletes running around like we used to when we were there. We'd all meet the lobby and head out for a run together. You don't see that too much now. And and maybe it is because, you know, cities are a lot more busy now. There's a lot more cars on the road. I noticed this myself this morning. I went to run up to a, a park here that I know. And, um, yeah, it was a bit tricky getting up there um, because I just took the most direct way. And then on the way back, I was able to kind of weave through quieter streets. And, you know, once you know that, then it's a little bit safer and easier to get around You know, as long as you don't kind of end up running down through a big street of cobblestones, which has that has its um, annoyances as well, particularly for me with my my feet get quite sore uh, running on the cobble. So I'm always trying to tiptoe over and avoid them.
1: Um, I mean, this uh, the first I had heard of kind of I never even weighed into the idea that you can you're at risk in prepare in going around and doing that kind of lovely exploration of the cities was when i was reading this book called running on the edge and there's this story of meb kaflesny a kind of fe- you i'm sure you know the name a winner of multiple marathons including the boston marathon and how on one such run he was attacked by a group of dogs do you know this story
0: uh, no, I haven't heard that.
1: Basically it had happened 10 days before winning a silver medal in Athens. Meb Kaflesny was attacked by a German shepherd while on a practice run like one of the ones that you were describing. He said it was a scary moment. The dog, a German shepherd with a big head and big body was going for my throat and knocked me over. And for a moment I thought I was going to die. It was surreal. I couldn't believe this was happening to me. I was out for a low key training run and some mutt was going for my jugular. And I had thought for the real Dog fight was going to take place in the race, I was wearing a heart rate monitor, which showed I was at 110 beats a minute, about 10 minutes into the run. It spiked to 180 during the attack. I mean, my I mean, fair play to him, 180 <laughs> to retain his heart rate 180 during a dog attack. I mean, I obviously had my little dog incident and I did watch my heart rate spike. But you don't we will talk about it later about just how vulnerable you are when you're out there. But you just never think of uh, these kind of things happening to pros or elite runners. But it must be it must be more uh, in their minds these days than ever.
0: I suppose when you hear stories like that, you become a bit more aware and then you're a bit more conscious of it when you go out on the street. And and particularly if you're in an unfamiliar area, you know, you'd be a bit more aware of going around. And I think normally, like if I'm running at home or somewhere that I'm familiar with, you tend to get to know the people who are around the place and you tend to know the dogs that are around the place. So mm. you can kind of fall into this kind of sense of security and safety. But when you go to a new place, all of a sudden things change up and you don't know anyone or anything or, you know, you you just don't know the way people are. And, and you know, even when you're in, in Europe or in america just crossing the road sometimes you know you have to take care to look the right way yeah it's very easy to
1: step out out. into
0: the road and you know cars coming the wrong way and you know i I hear people they they're very what would you say um they're very good here when it comes to traffic lights people don't (laughs) tend to walk across they don't cross the black the red man
1: (laughs) they look at you like you've got two heads if you do it
0: I know. Well, actually, today I, I was going with Nick. Today we were, were actually in the same city at the same time, which is amazing. And um, we were going for a coffee this morning and we, you know, meandered out into the road, you know, as you do when you're in Cork, anyway. And uh, <laughs> we're in Brussels. And we got out across the road and um, next thing there was a, a police van like coming at high speed up the road. And this thing was like, taken no prisoners like he was weaving between the traffic and Nick was strolling like the next thing I broke into a run because <laughs> seriously this was not stopping <laughs> and I For my first thought was they're going to like we're going to get a ticket here now but this, they, they were obviously focused on something much more serious up the road
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you thought we were going to get done for jaywalking uh, there is Like, I remember getting kind of that in Germany specifically, which I guess is a kind of a stereotype, but they really were like, does this little Irish man not understand uh, how this works? And, you know, look, Irish people have been using that excuse for many, many years to get out of paying fares (laughs) on public transport. But I just found just the conformity hard to Wrap your head around that, like no one would even think to do it, and in, and honestly, Sonia, so much at the moment in the UK, having come back from Ireland where everyone's wearing masks and there's isn't an opening up until October twenty second. There's so many rules over here that seem bananas to me, and Tina, and the reassurance that people give you is. But don't you understand, that's what the government is saying. And Irish people are much more along the lines of, yeah, I know that's what the government's saying, but the government isn't always right. I I just find that that that's kind of written into our blood. that, Like, yeah, the boss man might be saying that, but that's more of a guideline. Than anything else. Do you know I what know, I mean? it's
0: like? as if you have to kind of be, have your own sense of um, common sense, I think, <laughs> and you know, you have to you have to have faith and confidence in what you believe. Just because someone says it doesn't mean that that's actually what's happening or that's the right thing to do.
1: Absolutely, I and that does, I think
0: yeah, maybe. Do you think, it is it an Irish thing that we weigh things up and then we kind of decide, no, no,
1: this is the way to do it? Well, I definitely think that Irish laws are written with a certain amount of cop on, understood on the part of the, uh, the citizen. And it probably does relate to what we're going to talk about first here in terms of the safety and behaviour needed to run safely and avoid injury. Because as I said to you in a voice note earlier today, It's only now 12 months on that I realise how attritional this activity is. And I think to start with, right, that was normal coming in. And I think we've mentioned this in the past, that many people are scared of taking up running because they just figure that their knees will turn to chalk. Uh, You disabuse me of that notion by explaining the slow build. But even with that, Sonia, I'm aware of how having that cop on within yourself to not just observe what's on paper is so essential.
0: Yeah, I mean I think you know we we all follow training programs and plans and instructions of you know what to do. It's like a prescription of what you're going to do for the week and what you're going to do each day. But you know we all wake up each morning and we may not feel exactly up to what's exactly prescribed. So sometimes you have to weigh things up and work out. Is is this actually you know what I need to do today or do I need to pull it back a little bit? Or or can I do a bit more sometimes?
1: A hundred percent. And I f- I'm feeling that this week, all my uh, cards on the table here. I looked back at my diary and was like, oh, I've done eight days in a row and I think probably a year ago, I would have been like, good for you. You did eight days. Keep going. But I'm just so conscious now that in terms of the safety of this thing, would you agree that the overtrain or the too much too soon is the most dangerous thing of running?
0: Yeah, it can. Like we can all get carried away because it just becomes part of your daily routine and, you know, you get up in the morning and lace up the shoes and you head out for a run. And then the day that you have a day off, you kind of think, oh, well, what am I going to do today? And you've kind of lost that structure and routine that sets up your day. Mm. And, you know, doing anything else can take a bit longer. It's not as efficient you got to think about it a bit more. If you're going to the gym, you have to work out, you know, what are you going to do in there? If you're going to go for a bike ride, you got to find different clothes to wear. So it just kind of complicates things when you have to, you know, take a rest. Now, there's probably people out there saying, if you take a rest, you don't have to worry about doing anything. You can mm. just take the day off. But you know, we spoke about this before and it's some—it's very hard to do nothing. And, and you know, and, and I was actually reading somewhere about this during the week, about, you know, when someone says to take a rest, it doesn't mean to lie on the couch and do nothing and eat chips or whatever it is watch you Netflix. like to eat and watch Netflix. It actually just means take a rest from running. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the, the opportunity is there to do something else and to kind of exercise some different muscles. And, and you know, at a low intensity as well. You're not out there killing yourself every day doing something else when, when you're having a day off. It is a recovery day but it just means that you're taking the weight off from the constant pounding of run, that comes with running.
1: So this morning myself and Mikey uh, went for the coffee walk which was uh, it is always a recovery thing for me. I just really enjoy the just that slow stroll. It's not even, you know, you know, you can do your vigorous walk to get your coffee, but a full on stroll and Andy Dufresne mulling over life chat with Mikey. And I had said to him that uh, you had talked about listening to your body very early on in in the series, listen to your body, tune into what your body's telling you. (laughs) And that for ages I was like, I'm not going to listen to my body. My body wants to lie on the couch and eat biscuits. Uh, And now I'm much more much closer to this idea that my body last night said you've overdone it a tiny bit. You are inching into a red zone here. Do you still get those red zones? Do you still have days, Sonia, when you go uh-oh, I, that, the hill session yesterday up in Mount Baldy was just too much. Wind it back in, Sonia. Do you get that?
0: Oh yeah, you do. Absolutely. and And I think, you know, when you have a few days in a row. I think now I can feel myself really looking forward to the day off. And um, you know, i will be have. I actually, you know, I kind of look at my week. And sometimes Trevor, if he's sending me a program, he'll say, "How is your week looking?" And by that, he means, you know, w- when's your busy days and kind of what days do you need to take off. And then when you have a bit of a chat about that, then you can work it around and and you plan the day that you're going to take off. So this week um, I have to get up early on Saturday. Um, to, I'm actually going flying to Ireland. Um, but it's going to be a, a long day. And it's one of those things where I know I'm not going to be running first thing in the morning. And I'm going to be flying and driving. And, you know, I'm going to be tired when I arrive mm-hmm. in Cove. That, you know, as much as I'd like to go out and go for a run, it's probably better for me to just, you know, call, drop in home and then walk out to my parents house Mm. and um, just use that as the kind of fresh air because you know you do feel all cooped up in a plane and in the car and things like that that you need the fresh air but you don't actually need the extra energy required to run Um, and so you just kind of accept okay this is a day off and I'm going to enjoy it even though for a lot of it I'm going to be kind of cooped up and you know just not really doing anything anyway, but it still tires you out just getting up early in the morning and then the whole travel day type of thing, which is always a good day to take as a rest day, um, a travel day, because it does take a lot out of you. Just yeah, moving you're still going to be and, burning
1: calories. Yeah,
0: yeah lugging um, bags around the place and, you know, everything else.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got a bunch of stuff that I need to get through here, essentially, in this side of things before we get on to, you know, the wider discussion of women in running, which is, you know, what precipitated this episode and specifically one listener, Winona Grant, getting in touch with an experience she had while out running. But before we get to that, we kind of know now from the series that uh, overtraining, incorrect technique, incorrect shoes, incorrect clothing, hard surfaces and, you know, other factors such as not warming up or not cooling down drinking enough water are are dangerous to you as a runner which one of those those stands out that you would like to draw attention to today just before we leave this side of things because i'd imagine that we could easily talk for 15 minutes on each one
0: oh you could i mean there's just so many things that impact you know how you feel and how you i suppose how your body reacts to the running and I mean, I think you said it before. I mean, the main thing—if you listen to your body and you kind of realise when you need to have a rest, and you need to just kind of say, "Okay, I'm not up for a run today," but then at the same time, you have to differentiate between: Are you really not up for a run, or do you just not want to go out for a run? <laughs> you know, and we've we've mentioned this before about being unmotivated to go for a run, as opposed to physically being feeling tired and sore and achy, that you know you shouldn't really go for a run that you need to take it a bit more easy and and recover and and maybe that's a, a moment where you kind of say to yourself maybe you need to go and get some treatment like a a physio treatment or a a, a sports massage or maybe those those boots that i was in there a couple of
1: weeks ago the, <laughs> the um, inflatable compression pants.
0: boots which you were dying to get into cannot waste <laughs>
1: cannot wait.
0: Um, you know so to just kind of take a it's kind of like a a pamper day for yourself Mm. and to, you know, not feel like you're missing out by doing that. Um, But it's actually going, you're going to benefit from it down the track.
1: I I really look back on, you know, my injury, which I feel like, I sometimes feel like I hate repeating myself. But for those of you that are only joining the story of this, (laughs) this whole thing, hadn't ever, ever run any distance of any sort and got along fine, thanks to Sonia's coaching and the incremental build of 10% increase in mileage each week. Then in April, a stress injury takes place in my left shin. And I kind of now, and I'm sure you've done this before with your injuries, Sonia, have kind of forensically done a post-mortem on what brought that about from going to physiotherapist and from examining the diary of training that led to that point, I really think hard surfaces, as well as going too hard on the easy days, impacted that shin an awful lot. And there is a part of me that thinks that incorrect technique, that my technique was was a, a touch off. The hard surfaces thing, though, I wanted to just ask you that, seeing as we were talking about cobblestones around Belgium, what do people do when they're like, yeah, well, I can't really not, I can't avoid hard surfaces because I live around this uh, this kind of muddy area. And then in the winter, it's unrunnable.
0: I think then you have to weigh up the different level of hard surfaces around you. So, you know, concrete is probably the worst thing to run on. Concrete and tiles, like the, here, it's full of it, like there's all all the streets seem to be tiles, hmm. and are like kind of yeah, like stuff that you'd have out like patio tiles everywhere, really. And it's really hard surface. So, you know, you do everything you can to get into a kind of a, a a gravel path area in a park. And there's plenty of that around the place as well. So I think you know the the best of the hard surfaces is probably the the smooth tarmac. You know, this kind of really smooth yes. new roads that you can see out there. And so that's where you have to kind of find something like that and be able to get yourself there. And and the other thing, um, I did this myself yesterday, actually, I was in this little town called Leuven. And I stayed an extra day because I wanted to go and explore the forest. But the forest was about two and a half kilometres away and you had to run a lot on the footpaths to get there. So... I I was lucky enough to have a, a rental bike one of these fine rentals for 15 euros it was amazing value and I only had it for three days but I could have had it for a month for the same price and so I rode the bike up to the forest and then locked the bike up and then I was straight away on the soft surface and I actually had a brought a t-shirt with me and I took the t-shirt off and put it in a bag and just tied it onto the back of the bike and hope for the best because it was going to be more beneficial to me afterwards Yeah. when I had to hop back on the bike and you know when after you've been running and you're sweating a lot and then you go on the bike and you have the wind coming past you and, and you can actually feel quite cold very quickly mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: so that's what I was saving that for but I think it's really good idea if, just to make a small effort of you know like riding the bike for 10 minutes and then going for your run in the soft surface place and then you can get the bike back home again and it's, it's an extra 20 minutes, say, to your run, but it's so worth it to do that. And, and you probably don't have to do it every day. But, mm. um, you know, I think for if you're going for anything, you know, 50 minutes to an hour and longer, then, then it's definitely worth making the effort to either go on your bike or to drive, if, if it's easier to do that, to a park or a forest or a trail. You know, just somewhere, there has to be somewhere close to everybody, you know, where there's a little bit of soft surface. And I mean, I suppose there is a little bit of problem as we're going to be heading into the winter soon now. And, you know, people have to run early in the morning and late at night. um, It's not always easy to to go to these places because they're not always very well lit up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I hear that. And I think uh, I, I look back and think that that probably would have saved me from that injury. And I wonder how many other people who are feeling niggles and pulls and that little sense, that uh, impact, just the grind of it, right? That what would one day at the track, one day on grass, just each week, just, just let us know if you see a difference, if you include one track day and one grass day in your week, because I've certainly felt Uh, come Sunday, much, much fresher as a result of making that little commitment. We need to go to the bigger, wider topic here. And I guess it is something that we had covered before, after the death of a girl here in the UK. People may remember earlier in 2000, uh, 2020, the call into question, you know, how safe are our streets? And when I brought up this topic to our Strava Running Club on strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Abroad, immediate large response, Sonia, that really confirmed to me that we still needed to talk about this. For starters, uh, Paula Bradshaw says, thanks for bringing up this topic. She says, nothing has happened to me personally, but I feel this every day. I go running, particularly if I know I'm running into a quiet area running later in the evening, running particularly early in the morning. I was with the group who did the run in Sean Moore Park. I live beside the park and train there every day. But I never go into the nature trails as we did. It really takes away from enjoying the run because you're always listening, looking over your shoulder. And there have been a few times where I wouldn't feel safe and I would have to increase my speed. And on some occasions, remarks would be made that would make you think, right, I need to get out of here now. Another example I have was when we first went into lockdown, my area got very busy and to be COVID safe, I went to quiet routes, but my husband had to drive behind me because I didn't feel safe. Now, that's just one person's experience, Paula Bradshaw. And thanks, Paula, for getting in touch with that. But I see it echoed over and over again. And I think that it's really important that we get to bring this out, because I feel like not a lot of guys understand this, this sense. Would you agree with that, Sonia? Do you feel like this is something that women take as a given and men don't really give much thought to because it's just not a problem for them
0: I I mean it's definitely something that's obvious that women would talk about and be affected by I think and and I probably haven't really talked about the subject much with men so it would be interesting to know how men if they feel vulnerable out there and it, it is a kind of a vulnerability kind of thing and you know it's just a kind of a thing I suppose that's always in the back of your mind that you feel like you are vulnerable when you're out on the streets by yourself. And now it's not something that I would think about every day when I'm out there, but every now and then you might come across, you'd be in an area that you'd kind of think was a bit of a dodgy area. And I suppose your your senses would be a bit more heightened and a bit more alert to what's all around you. Mm. And I mean, I tend to, I suppose I would often run in places I, suppose I do run all over the world and lots of different places that I wouldn't be familiar with. But you do, I do tend to try and run in places where there would be other runners or it'll be a kind of a, a local running area. So then if it's a place where a lot of people run, then you kind of think that the people who frequent the area must be aware of that. Mm. And so that makes it that little bit safer. The problem is when you turn up in a new place and you don't really know where to run. And, you know, if you're in a rush and you might just head out the door. And I have done this myself in the past, you know, turning up in strange places for races. And you try to get in a quick 20 minute run the evening that you arrive and and you can end up in odd places. And, you know, if it's getting dark, then you're kind of thinking I I shouldn't really be running too far away here because I need to get back. And so, it's just a kind of a weird thing that, I I don't know, I think there's certain situations that you find yourself in that you're reminded of this. And I think that it's a good thing that you, if someone is reminded and alerted of it, but I think it's also something that we have to try not to worry about that every time you go out. And I think that's the thing about, so you, when you go for a run, you instinctively take way up, I suppose, the risk aversion as I I read yeah. somewhere <laughs> was called, where you make decisions based on where you're going to go, and you know to reduce the vulnerability that you put yourself in, and then you allow yourself to enjoy the run. So you have to make that decision, and then sometimes you have to make the decision while you're along the run. You know, you're running out somewhere, and you kind of think, will I go a little bit further, or will I come back now? And you know, it's. I suppose it's a personal thing in a way. It's like anything. You know, when you do your finances, how risk averse are you, and how much risk are you willing to take? And I suppose, in a way, it's how safe do you feel you are, and how much you weigh things up, like how you feel in certain areas.
1: Yeah, I mean, what I, I like hearing you talk about it as you. Sonia Sullivan, you know, inverted commas, where people are like, this is you would assume men, I think, would assume that you aren't thinking about this, that I think in a previous episode, you said that you had the confidence of knowing that you could outrun most people. Um, and, you know, as funny as that is, you know, that, that actually was a thought I had when we were bringing this to you, that I wonder, is your concern the same as other women? But then I know that this is a conversation that we need to draw out a bit further, because for a lot of guys listening to this, uh, I just don't think that this sense of vulnerability and that, as you say, the need to measure risk comes into your head as a male runner To like, I doubt I've ever had these thoughts that you were having there Uh, the only time I would be thinking about my safety, speaking just from my own perspective, would be in terms of the light, just in terms of am I visible enough? I do think I think about if I were to be injured, if I were to be clipped by a car, what do I do then? To me, those are the thoughts that I have. And I wasn't seeing a huge response in the group from uh, men saying, yeah, I feel nervous too, with Seamus McAteer, Neil Fusco in touch. We did have women on there saying that they'd didn't feel like Ashling C says, I literally have never had a problem. She said, I run on an old railway in Cork, usually 7 a.m. The odd homeless guy might be in a sleeping bag under one of the tunnels, God bless them, but they are usually still asleep anyway, and I figure I'm faster than them uh, when I'm not injured, as she says. I've never felt scared or intimidated, and I kind of feel like Ashling C there might be the exception. the rule. We have a piece of audio that we're going to play now and it is is tough to hear. As I said, it's from Winona Grant, um, a hardcore member of the Irishman running abroad uh, club who suffered an attack in Dublin not too long ago and she is now going to give you guys a sense of what she went through.
2: Hey Jarlett, hey Sonia, hope you're both keeping well. Firstly, I just want to, I guess, thank you both for having this discussion on the show this week. I think, you know, we're all aware in the running community how big of an issue health and safety and the lack thereof is in the community. and. You know, I think in recent times it's been coming to light a lot more thanks to people um speaking out and thanks to people like yourselves giving people a platform to speak out on. And I think, you know, the more people do speak up about their own experiences and the more we all kind of realise that, it, you know, someone that we all personally know has had experiences like this, I think that's when we're really going to wake up to it and just be be more aware and whatever change uh, needs to come hopefully hopefully will come but yeah Jared as I know I was speaking to you last Sunday already which was the day that that my own incident happened and yeah I guess I'll just give a brief description of, of what happened um so it was 9am on a Sunday morning and uh, I set off for what was planned to be a 10 mile run and I got 1.5 kilometers in and I was running a route that I do most days um, I kind of it's its part of a route that I do most days anyway it kind of comes into a lot of the routes that I would do and um, it's very local to where I live um, it's up around the Docklands in Dublin and anyway I was running along a road sort of like a housing estate, back up a housing state And You know yourself, I wasn't paying attention so much to my surroundings. I was, you know, just focusing on the run and didn't see anybody approaching me from far up or anything like that. Um, Before I knew it, there was this guy directly in front of me, walking past me quite close and he with a lot of force, spat in my face. It hit me in the face (laughs) and that was the first shock. So obviously I, I recoiled back and I you know, reacted with a version of what the fuck <laughs> um, and uh, that's when he he attempted to grab me and I was quite shocked and I had stopped running at this point obviously just absolutely stunned and he did he grabbed me and he proceeded to pull down his trousers to the point of full exposure um, he made some very uh, crude and intimidating gestures um, and then he, luckily, a local resident um, had been passing at the time. And now he did drive past, but luckily, as he got further up the road, he knew something wasn't right and he reversed back. And this was when this guy actually left me alone. But he, he didn't even, what's scary about this, he didn't even run off. He strolled off without a care in the world. He He was not... He was not fearful of of anything um and yeah obviously very very you know traumatic experience um luckily someone had been passing at the time because i dread to think what could have followed that and obviously the the guardie were called they came down they they looked for the person and everything like that and i, I have given an official statement and i am told that they have identified this one and they will be arresting him and hopefully charging him with some variation of assault or sexual assault or public indecency or a combination of all of those three things. But I guess, you know, we're told so often, and, and wrong wrongfully so, we're told, you know, not to go out in the dark, not to go out late at night, not to go out too early in the morning, wear this, wear that, like, all of these things that we're, you know, told we should do to be safer. and it shouldn't come down to that you know we should be able to go out at any time of the day wearing whatever we want and we should feel safe and that that's just not the case you know 9 9am 9 on a sunday morning absolute daylight roads that are not secluded they're not you know they're not back laneways as we're told to avoid it's you know this is dublin city center in broad daylight on a sunday morning and this is still happening so you know i'm i'm aware of A lot of people that I would know in the running community, both here and um, in the UK, Um, and this is happening far, far too often. So, um, yeah, the more we speak out about it, hopefully a change will come. But yeah, thanks a million for your support as well, since Sunday, it really means a lot.
1: The good news is that the police, it seems, have their guy. And that in Winona's horrifying situation, there's going to be some justice. But I'd imagine that that would rattle you to a point of maybe not wanting to continue running. And Winona Grant is obviously built of incredibly stern stuff because she's out there flying around the place. I think we mentioned that she ran a PB up in Larne. Sonia, when you hear that, like, does it break your heart and does it make you reluctant to even... Like it it must make you scared that this will scare women off running full stop.
0: Well, I think that's always my fear is that when you do promote, I suppose, incidents that happen like this, that it could put people off. For me, it would probably make me a bit. And, you know, if you were in that position that you'd be you would just change your route. And even if it was just a once off incident, that you'd kind of always remember that spot as being where this incident occurs so you would never want to go there again or you know definitely not for a long time you'd be running off in a different direction or taking a different route and I think you know it's one of those things where you can't you know scare yourself you know to stop living to stop running to stop getting on with things and you know for Winona, who this happened to, I mean, you know, she obviously got herself back on the horse straight away and she was out there running in PVs at the half marathon and everything. And and that may be the best thing to do is to kind of say, you know what, I'm just going to keep doing what I do because this is what I love to do. So I'm not going to let somebody who I don't know who they are or why they did what they did, but why should they ruin, you know, what I really enjoy doing? Mm. And I think you somehow have to put yourself above all that because, In the big scheme of things, I mean, it's pretty safe out there for most people in most places. And, you know, I think you have one incident like that in a million. And, you know, I think it just makes you more aware and more alert. And, And it kind of reminds you that, you know, we need to be a bit more aware and alert when we go out there rather than just being blasé about it all and just kind of thinking, you know, I'm just running along and nobody's going to catch me. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's good to be reminded and to be kind of have that thought in the back of your head that, you know, you know, there, there is a 1% chance that something could happen out here. So you just need to be prepared for stuff like that. And it's, it's you know, it's how you are prepared, you know, where where you run. And I think when you are in a unfamiliar area, it's always a good idea to ask somebody, you know, where's a good place to run here? You know, even today, it was funny, I was, and this is not a running story, I I came in off the train from Leuven yesterday at um, Brussels Nord, and I had to walk to the hotel, and, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's only 500 metres away, it's really close. And this was at four o'clock in the afternoon, it was bright sunshine outside, and you're walking off the train station, but, you know, when you're pulling your suitcase and you've got a backpack on and you've got, you know, you're not very, you're not moving very fast and you're looking at your phone trying to figure out where to go. And, you know, a situation like that, you feel pretty vulnerable because you're obviously standing out like this person has no idea where they're going or what they're doing. Yeah. And it was a really kind of, I felt like it wasn't, a, it just felt like an unsafe area for some reason. And I had to walk through this tunnel and it stunk, it was disgusting. And I came out the other side and I was like, I didn't know which direction to go. And then today, when I was down in the lobby and I was looking for somewhere to get a stamp, I'm to send a birthday card to my sister, Julian in Australia, and it's impossible to find somewhere to buy a stamp in Brussels. So I'm asking them at the desk, and they said to me, oh, there's, a, there's one up by the station, Brussels Nord station, but I wouldn't go up there, they oh, said. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so now I'm thinking all my instincts were correct. And, you know, it was so I actually came in yesterday to the hotel and I was in about half an hour before Coco because I didn't realize she was coming so soon after me. And then I said to Nick, I said, I've got to go back down there and meet her because, you know, this is not a good area.
1: Yeah, not a good place to walk alone.
0: (laughs) And so, you know, you just kind of I think your instincts are alerted when you're in a place in a situation like that. And maybe more so when you're walking than when you're running. Because when you're running, you can come upon a place very quickly and not realize, you know, where you're at, and then you can just as quickly exit out of the area and you're into a nice place again. So, you know, I think it. I think once you're moving, you're moving. You know, you're you're a lot safer than when you're kind of standing still and you're looking around and worried about where you are and where you're going.
1: I think sometimes when I, I ask the question, "What can men do to help?" Uh, it that it. It can sometimes sound like, oh, that's typical men. They think they can fix every every problem. But in so many ways, we are the problem and that it kind of falls to men who don't want women to feel this way when they're out running to help in whatever way they can. Now, we've discussed the hellos last week. We even talked about when it's acceptable to say hello whether you should expect a hollow back and the whole purpose of being courteous out there about giving a wide berth when overtaking, not running on the heels, especially of a female runner when you're now aware listening to this, that there's a certain fear level that you may not be aware of lads. Those things are all fine and well and good. But is there anything that you think, Sonia, that Uh, that we haven't talked about, that men can take on board, or at least do, to be conscious uh, of, to change this kind of environment in which we all run, uh, so that it can feel a little bit safer for those that are female out there?
0: Well, I mean, I think it's just, we, we all need to be aware of our surroundings and, you know, the people that we're around. And yeah i mean i think most people out there who are running are not trying to intimidate or worry other people i think it's the other people that you come across along the way and and i i think things like you know where you know when a lot of people you know they go out to run and they're wearing headphones and i think that's something you know that when you're wearing headphones and someone comes up on you very quickly and they you know they if they're coming they're passing you closely, they can only really brush alongside you and then they can give you a bit of a jump when mm-hmm. they go past. And even sometimes I know I've you know, you come up behind people and you say hello, but because they're wearing the headphones, they don't even know you're there. And it's just then the sight of somebody coming that can can shock you a little bit. So I think, you know, when people are wearing headphones, I always think it's a good idea to just wear one if you have the the Bluetooth version, that's great. Or even if you have the string ones. Or the, the wire ones, I used to always tuck one in underneath my T-shirt and just have one in because it's just, I think it's a, good to be, as much as you want to be taken away and distracted from the, I suppose, sometimes the pain of running and the, you want the time to go by quickly. It's also good to be aware of your surroundings and, you know, what what's going on around you.
1: Hmm. Uh, Debbie Carriggie says, I choose not to run the local trails in UCD, in the autumn and the winter, as I just don't feel safe on my own. Although no experience has led me to this conclusion, my own peace of mind and my husband's, I don't want to put myself in any danger. Instead, for the autumn and winter months, I will run on main roads, busy with traffic. It's just the way being female, it is just the way to feel safe, she says, being female and out there. One thing that I felt like needed to be brought up as well, that like I think you made a really good point there that, in fact, it's not the male running community that has to work on this. It's the past remarkable pricks on the sides of roads who comment on uh, female runners passing by in running outfits. And that that side of things like the the running clothes that like that's obviously a consideration for a lot of women in this that, uh, you know, I see the fear on women's faces as may- maybe it's just they're passing by me and I frighten people. But that's that's me being silly again. There are women running who are, you know, super self-conscious because these clothes that they have to wear to do it are more revealing than their normal clothes. What do you say to people in, in that situation? And like, I know, what I don't know what, what you can say, but I'd just be interested to know if that is if that's a conscious thing that female runners think about, because it seems to me like that would be something I'd be abundantly aware of.
2: I, well,
0: I, I think, you know, different people are more comfortable wearing different things and i think you have to find what you're most comfortable wearing and you know you have to be as well as comfortable you have to be confident wearing it that you're not bothered you know that anyone's going to be you know saying things or you know to intimidate you or anything like that so it's kind of a tricky one really because i suppose just because you feel comfortable in it and you're happy in your clothes you know when you run past it might cause someone to react or to throw out some silly remark or something and you know I, I think you know stuff like that you just have to ignore it you know and you, you really can't get involved with things like that mm. you know I think it, it, it's a very personal thing and you know I think if you're out there running no matter what you're wearing then you know you've decided to wear it because you like it and I don't know, you, you shouldn't really be intimidated or bothered by what somebody says who you just run past you know i mean they've hardly seen you you're going by so quick Hmm. (laughs) you know know, oftentimes it's just they're trying to be funny in front of their friends or do silly things and you know it it can be misinterpreted the wrong way and and then you know it's not good for anybody so i think things like that are best to just ignore it and not dwell on it and to you know really not to make it a big deal i think
1: well, I I think it's really solid advice. I, I do think that mm, as we are at the year anniversary of this, that the journey for me in that way of being super self-conscious has been as big as the health and fitness journey. And I mentioned this early on that I was just way too aware of what people would think of me out running, (laughs) you know, some of that is just ego. (laughs) Like, who cares? You're going for a run. But then I had it in my head that people will judge you if you then don't go for a run, that like, you give the running a go and it didn't work out for you. You know, that that voice is in my head. (laughs) The the judgy neighbor like, oh, he thinks he's uh, Ronnie Delaney there, you know, that that cynicism that we grow up with. And freeing myself from that side of things, Sonia, was a big part of this, even just as a man who doesn't have to wear, you know, skimpy stuff, who who did have difficulty wearing skimpy stuff. We'll more of that later. But this uh, this, this has been really helpful. I hope it's been helpful to our, our listeners. I put one thing in the notes. Of course, you get illustrated notes if you are a member on Patreon, illustrated notes every week with every episode with even more bonus tips from Sonia and uh, exercises, stretches and different drills and bits and pieces. And last week I put a question in the notes that we didn't get to talk about on the episode, and that was uh, the question of (laughs) stopping when running. Uh, a good time. Right. So I'm out on the back roads of Meath. Uh, shout out to Mick and Noreen Roland, who put me up for the month of August, running the very dangerous roads of Meath. I was a car slowed in front of me. I'm obviously facing into traffic. Now, this is this is a, a kind of a moral question that I need to ask you and the listener, Sonia. Was I right not to stop when this car slowed down in front of me and I knew I'm chasing my best 10k time, ever. (laughs) This car slows down with an elderly couple who clearly are as lost as a couple can be. Fraught. You can imagine the row that's been taking place in this car. She leans out the window. Before the car is even rolled to a halt, she's going, I'm trying to find... (laughs) And I thought there is no feckin' way <laughs> I am stopping to give you directions in an area I'm not even that familiar with and lose out on my 10k pb time. Now, when I went back to the Rolands and told them this, The consternation it caused that I wouldn't have (laughs) supported this couple in their quest to find, no doubt, Tato Park. Uh, (laughs) I was adamant that I had made the right decision. Tell me this, Sonia. Was I right or was I wrong? Should I have stopped and stopped my watch? (laughs) Or did I do the right thing?
0: Well, it depends on what mood you're in, I think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if, if you're in the mood for a chat, then you stop and you stop your watch and then you get going again. But if you head down and you're flying along, like, say, for example, if I was doing a session and someone was stopping looking for directions, I think I would keep running. <laughs> and then I might stop, you know, at the end of the interval. But, and and then I think, you know, if you're in an area you don't really know, there's a chance that you're going they're going to ask you a question and you don't know the answer to them. Like I've had people, someone asked me something recently. I think it was probably in here in Belgium or in France last week and you know they want sp- first of all they're speaking in a different language anyway so I have absolutely no idea what they're asking me I don't know I have no idea
1: still no idea <laughs> so that's,
0: that's, that's my standard answer is I have no idea
1: <laughs> uh, yeah I fully gave them a me noy speaky English kind of look uh, but I really I just thought the level of entitlement but I couldn't get any back up on this I'm sure the listeners will back me up that if your 10k time is on the horizon, you're going, oh, my God, I'm going to break my PV I had the idea that uh, Paddy and Nora from uh, Tipperary, who are lost in me, like, get a phone. Like, uh, my first reaction was, how do you not have a sat-nav in this day and age?
0: Yeah, but maybe the Internet was really bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. I mean, sort your <laughs> shit out, Ireland. The Internet around Tato Park is absolutely appalling. I oh, have had to buy my own router, <laughs> my own <laughs> mobile router. Thanks to Vodafone for that. But up to then, I mean, it was literally less than one meg per second out there. But then there, there's mobile phone coverage. I, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they listened to the show <laughs> and they were stopping me to find it. So out. how
0: did they react?
1: I have no clue. I was so in it. I had the head down and I was going for it and I got that best uh, time I could get on my 10k at that particular time. But I'm really excited for the upcoming week, Sonia. We have a virtual event taking place on September 8th. It is in the group. You can see it there. It's the Ireland Funds. Uh, Eighteenth, sorry, Ireland Beard, funds Beard. virtual five k, and for the first time, we're going to be able to get photos of gangs together doing this. It's really exciting to think that that's what's going to happen from here on that we'll have you guys joining up together and running these events and sending us your photos and if you can get your gang to theme their group in some way, shape or form maybe you can win a prize in some Irishman running abroad swag from hairybaby.com that's the supplier of our Irishman running abroad gear there's a whole page worth of cool Irishman running abroad stuff there including training tops zip up hoodies tote bags and all the rest a hairy baby Dot com. Sonia, your your plan for the week what's 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 next
0: the plan for the week well i'll be in cove for the weekend so by the time you listen to this i'll have been there and gone
1: gone yeah
0: <laughs> and um, then i'm heading to zurich for the grand prix final i'm going to go there for a couple of days and then i'm not sure about next weekend i might actually be in berlin um, Coco, she's got a. There's a German track meet in Berlin, and as she's one of their, you know, most well-known and well-liked German athletes, she'll be going there to run a 1500 meters. So yeah, a few more races to go yet this season. Fantastic. And, um, yeah, it's non-stop, but it's going to. Be, I'm really looking forward to getting home to Cove for a few days this weekend, uh, checking in with my mom and dad to see how they're getting on, and uh, yeah, then hit the road again.
1: Brilliant stuff. Uh, Well, this has been, I don't know anyone that's done as much travelling as you uh, in the past 12 months. When you posted the list of destinations that we've recorded in, made my head spin. When do you think you might be back in the US or is there a date for that?
0: I don't have a date fixed yet. I think I'm going to hang around in, I'll be back to Ireland again, probably for a bit in September and then hang around for the London Marathon. Of course. Which is on around, I think it's October the 3rd was that weekend anyway so I'll hang around for that and then I'll probably set a date after that to go back to America and when a lot of the athletes will have had a bit of a rest after the long season and then they'll be starting back into their winter training and making plans for for next year.
1: Well we are making plans for more virtual events if you'd like to submit an idea for one Podcast at gmail.com or join us on the Strava group and just ping it into uh, onto the post there on our wall there's a club leaderboard recent activities and all our members there are able to interact so if your partner is bored of hearing you talk about running the Irishman Running abroad group is where you need to be where uh, like-minded people can meet up and you can suggest as I said your event I suggested the run in the dark with Mark Pollock might be the next one. I know we did it last year, Sonia, that might be the next one. But we'd really love to get your suggestions for uh, different kind of activities or runs that you have on the horizon that you think this would be a cool one for the uh, near, we're trying to get to 2000 members in that group, uh, so invite your friends along to be part of it. My uh, running challenge this year has been to hit 2000 kilometres, obviously had that bump in the road, but I am still heading there. I idonate.ie, my chosen charity partner is jigsaw.ie. Sonia, uh, Brian Connolly is on sound, John Mart is the extra research, Tina and Mike, you make it all possible. Sonia, thank you so much for doing this again, and we'll talk to you, so wherever you are in the world next week
0: yeah we'll talk to you next week and uh, look forward to it and, and one last we'll have our tip of the week a quick one just oh, related yes. to
1: what we were talking
0: about earlier and I think you know when you're heading out for a run uh, let people know where you're going and when you expect to be back
1: very good Sonia thanks a lot always a pleasure talk to you soon
0: alright talk to you soon see you. bye
2: one of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. title for the first time in his life, the champion of the
1: world. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy,
2: burn off stress.